Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello! And welcome to the WrestleMania 38 Night 2 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Simon Miller from What Culture, Phil Chambers, and Michael Hamflet to review everything that happened on night two of WrestleMania 38. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Miller, Phil, and Hamlet, we are once again sat in a bar overlooking AT&T Stadium to review WrestleMania 38 Night 2. And I think it's fair to say, Miller, it was a show where, what, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours maybe into the show, we were like, wow, well, this is... This is nowhere near as good as night one. And then, boy, did it take a turn. Well, I mean, the thing was that wrestling, especially on that kind of grand scale, is at its best when you have surprises and you have expected pops or you have teases. And they front-loaded it. <laughs> they front-loaded even the ones we didn't think were going to be teasy, uh, surprises. Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte became talking points. Whereas when we got to night two, it was all... I mean, the opening six-man tag I thought was great. I thought that was really good. Uh, I think I need to watch AJ Styles versus Edge back from a TV point of view, but I think that may have been brilliant too. But they weren't matches to really... Uh, where literally, someone was about to suplex somebody into a fountain just then. I was a bit worried. <laughs> they weren't really matches that were going to make you run away and, and chat to someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, after the Austin thing on night one, I want to talk to somebody about it. You know, when I talked to my casual friends, I was never going to go, oh, man, Edge versus a... I would in down the line. So... I thought, it was a, I thought it was a good show, given that it was the second part of WrestleMania. Whereas the first night, if you had added Roman to Brock to it, I still think it would have been a brilliant WrestleMania all along. And even with the celebrity stuff, like Logan Paul was a surprise because he was so good. And while I loved Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville, and I thought the addition of the Jackass crew was fantastic, it kind of did exactly what, what we expected. But then, yeah, I mean, all the Austin stuff. As I said to you guys, and I will say now, even though we've had a couple of hours to process, it's probably the best live wrestling I will ever see in my life. Nothing will top it. I peaked, so I may as well retire. <laughs> well, let's dive straight into it then. Let's start at the beginning of the show. We, uh, we actually opened the show with Triple H coming out and welcoming us to WrestleMania Night 2. 
Uh, and he even left his boots in the ring uh, as a, a lovely moment for him. Uh, much appreciated by the fans. The first match, though, as Miller mentioned, was uh, the uh, six man, or not, yeah, six man for the uh, tag team titles. It was RK Brew versus the Street Brothers versus Alpha Academy. Um, one of the only things I really noticed here, Hamlet, was the huge baby uh, for the Randy Orton hot tag, which doesn't get old. Um, they worked incredibly well together. Look, we know what a three tag team, you know, a triple threat tag team match for the for the tag titles can be in, in recent weeks, for example. You're just replacing uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins with the Street Brothers. It was much of the same here. Uh, the finish saw uh, Montez Ford go for a frog splash and get brilliantly caught by Riddle for an RKO. And then Orton caught Gable coming off the top for another RKO. One, two, three. RK Bro retain the Raw Tag Team titles. And we also got Gable Stevenson coming to suplex Chad Gable post-match as it was Street Profits and RK Bro having a, a solo cup celebration. Uh, and a, yes, he su- suplexed Chad Gable mid Shoes, please. Uh, what did you make of this opener? I like wrestling to still be the sort of wrestling that you want to buy a ticket to see. I like people and stars and wrestlers to be the ones that make you want to watch what you're watching on the screen in person. I think that was what ultimately undermined most of night two, in truth. But one of the things recently that has been just that has been the Randy Orton hot tag. It was genuinely a pleasure and a privilege to be in the presence of that tonight. I've watched Randy Orton for 20 years and I have never, ever felt rewarded, save for, like, five matches, maybe. And yet, once a week, I get this hot tag on television that I desperately want to be in a crowd for. We got that amped up for WrestleMania. They gave us the WrestleMania Randy Orton hot tag, and that was effectively what this match existed to do. It was really perfectly well-executed wrestling. We talked about this uh, on the Raw reviews. Raw, very quietly, has assembled a SmackDown 6-type division with these teams and Owens and Seth Rollins. Every match is a banger. Every title defense is great. It, the tag belts mean nothing, but the matches themselves are absolutely tremendous. And the Orton hot tag has been at the center of all of this. And he was in electrifying form. I cannot believe that Randy Orton was one of the more dynamic, speedier, and energetic performers on a WrestleMania card with some of the names on this show. Um, the rest of the match was pretty good. Uh, Otis getting pushed to the floor. Um, looked great from the seat. I don't know how that came across on television, but a big man falling a long way is pretty cool. So, so you know, it's take that kind of bump. All about the Orton hot tag, all about the fact that RK Bro are proper huge baby faces, and them getting the win was a nice start tonight. This was nicer than it was great, but in hindsight, as we come out of the stadium, I think this is probably one of the better things on the show. I'd say so, yeah. I, re- I thought it was a really enjoyable opener. Um, Phil, I'm not going to sandbag you by uh, making you discuss Omos and Bobby Lashley. <laughs> So me and Hamlet are going to talk about that, and then I'll let you talk about Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, Miller saying there he forgot the match even happened. Almost versus Bobby Lashley. I, I talked about this on what went down. It was your typical big man versus, well, bigger man match. Uh, almost generally overpowering Bobby Lashley. Uh, Bobby Lashley, Will Smith in the crap out of Almost early on. Uh, slapping the taste out of his mouth. Um, and then there was a, a sort of, as Phil said as, as I was sat next to him, sort of dominator. Sort of just suplex, basically, um, from Bobby Lashley. He speared almost in the kidneys. He speared him in the in the back, basically, and then he speared him normally and got the victory. Uh, any anything we want to add to that uh, Hamlet? You know what? Yes, uh, I've been a little bit critical. I know. I'm sorry. I've been a little bit critical of Omos. I like my lumbering giants, and I don't like Omos that much. Tonight was his night. 
He moved, he hit those ropes, he was doing stuff. Lashley, of course, was required to carry it. I love watching a giant man, for once, getting to pretend to be a little one. You could see he was quite into throwing himself around, and I quite enjoyed that too. This was everything it possibly could have been. You know what? I'm liking the show the more we talk about it. I think it's going to get worse. It's the opposite of night one. Like, this is a reverse New Japan format. I'm going to like the show less the more we talk about it. Uh, right, let's talk Sammy Zay versus no- Johnny Knoxville, Phil Chambers. Um, uh, my notes for this, and I said this to you as it was happening, do not feature manoeuvres, aside from the halluva kick at the bell and the sort of finish, basically, but more just a list of things that were utilised in this anything-goes match, basically. Um, Johnny Knoxville uses a fire extinguisher to take control after, as I said, he was hit by the halluva kick to start things off. There was a baking tray. There was a crutch. There was a trash can. The trash can lids were used as symbols by Johnny Knoxville on Sami Zayn's head. There was a use of a stop sign. Uh, Johnny Knoxville got put through a table that had been propped up in the corner by Sami Zayn. Uh, And then as Sami Zayn looked to take control, Johnny Knoxville countered via air horn. Party boy Chris Pontius. Party boy Chris Pontius made an appearance. Wee man made a crowd-popping, incredible appearance, even uh, slamming Sami Zayn for an incredible reaction. Uh, He got a near fall off that. But as Sami Zayn recovered and went up top, in the same way that it happened to Finn Balor against Roman Reigns many, many moons ago, there was a booby-trapped top rope. Uh, This time, uh, we had Johnny Knoxville clicking a button and crotching Sami Zayn on the top rope. Uh, that allowed them to take control. They utilised a bowling ball. The poor Sami Zayn's poor, poor privates. That was slammed into his cock and bollocks, basically. There was a spring-loaded foot that was slammed into his, well, his dick. Yeah. Um, the the high five hand is the best way I remember it in terms of from Jackass law. Uh, I saw some someone tweet a great tweet. I do apologise. I forget who I'm going to uh, 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 assign this tweet to that Mae Young and uh, Mark Henry's son turned heel and attacked Sami Zayn mid-match in the spring-loaded hand spots midway through this. Uh, there was some dick prongs. That's what I've written down. That's what I'm going to stick with. Uh, and then Sami Zayn get thro- gets thrown uh, off the top or off the turnbuckle to the outside through the uh, mousetrap table, then gets tasered, then gets trapped in a giant mousetrap to give Johnny Knoxville the victory. This was... Phil Chambers, this was ridiculously good fun. You just said the words. The finish. He got thrown through a mouse, a human-sized mouse trap. Uh, this was ludicrous. It was absolutely ludicrous, and I loved every minute of it. I mean, it was everything it needed to be. Um, we were going into this more speculating about what ridiculous spot Johnny Knoxville was going to do. I don't think anyone of us, one of us, imagined. Like a thousand ridiculous yeah, spots, and not none of them just him jumping off something, which I think was what everyone's mind immediately went to. There was none of that. It was just ludicrous stuff after ludicrous stuff, and it built and built and built. But like remarkably, the match was actually really well put together. Like um, I'm assuming Sami Zayn had a lot to do with this, yeah. but the way the um, ridiculous weapons and things just escalated and escalated, and then the introduction of Party Boy, and then the introduction of Wee Man, it just kept on rising and rising and rising and rising, until he just pulled up a goddamn human-sized mousetrap, <laughs> and it slammed him down, and even the fact that the mousetrap didn't even work at the end, oh, and it, Johnny Knoxville had to kind of jump in there and like press it with his arm and get caught by it a bit himself, it just makes it even better, because it just 
it make, just makes it even stupider. And the stupider, the better for this match, as far as I'm concerned. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculously good fun. Like exactly what we anticipated in not just our preview of it, but the build in the last few weeks. If you went in there, Dave, Dave Meltzer, expecting a five-star classic, then... Well, you got what you deserved, really, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, then we got the women's tag team title match. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi's excellent entrance. Um, but not a lot to talk about here. I, I think it's fair to say we've seen this match. <laughs> Phil Chambers will back me up on this. Or variations of this match on many occasions in the build towards WrestleMania. Uh, there was a lovely double Tower of Doom uh, spot, though, midway through the match. I've just written here on my notes... No one cares about Corey Graves. There was obviously we don't get to, to hear the commentary and hear the the uh, the way that WWE produces WrestleMania, but we could see that they kept cutting to Corey Graves at ringside, and I thought, I get it, you have a terrible YouTube show to promote, but no one cares about it basically. Uh, but in the end, it was Naomi and Sasha Banks getting the victory. They double teamed Carmella. I, I don't think I've ever seen that finisher of theirs before. But it looked great. Sasha breaks her 0-6 dreadful record at WrestleMania. And we have new tag team champion Simon Miller. What did you make of the uh, the fatal four-way? I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's just, I think the worry is, it doesn't mean anything. Because, I mean, before they realized they should do something at WrestleMania, I forgot that Carmella and Cena Vega were the tag team champions because they went on TV. And they were never featured. Um, I like this match, though. I thought the match was good. I said to, I think you, Hamflit, like what annoyed me, annoyed's a bit strong. What I thought was silly was they knew that everybody wanted Rhea Ripley versus Sasha Banks. So they booked them to have a face-off. Everybody goes nuts. Well, why didn't you just do that feud? Just turn Rhea Ripley heel or Sasha. Sasha's a good heel. And I think you could do that. And then you could still have this tag team match going on without the, you know, basically you could spread the women's wrestling out more across WrestleMania, which I think is important. Look, I enjoyed it. I thought everybody worked hard. It was just difficult to get into it because we've seen so many variations of it. But Sasha Banks and Naomi winning is a good thing, not only because Sasha Banks breaks her, her record, but also because I think she probably has more sway than the rest of them. So if we can actually do some feuding now, then there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, what I would potentially do is bring back Bailey. I mean, team with Oscar doesn't make any sense, but somebody yeah. who we're not thinking of right now and then do that because then there's interest. You'll get the big pop when somebody comes back and either the Raw Smackdown after Mania. And we're away to the races. But this was a match that kind of summed up night two. It was fun. It was entertaining. I was glad it was there. But you could have done it on any other pay-per-view. And I'm not sure anybody would have cared. I'm going to do a very rare thing here and completely disagree with Simon Miller. Yes, <laughs> uh, mainly because I don't think it was a good thing that Sasha and Naomi won this. I think oh, right. they discovered that Sasha was 0-6, like a week before this match <laughs> happened that's pretty, and that's yeah. when they started mentioning it if Sasha lost this she would have gone to 0 and 7 which I agree is terrible Sasha Banks is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world I'll, cl- I'll cl- clarify this uh, I absolutely adore her um, but I think having her go 0 and 7 at this and then I think I've pretty much said this on a podcast before turn on Naomi or something because she's really annoyed that they lost and then build on to a sort of a 
a program where Sasha just goes on an absolute heel tear of like I'm sick of this position of, in the company. Uh, I want something better for myself and like build to next year's WrestleMania where she finally does beat the streak. I think making like a year's program of Sasha Banks running through loads and loads of people uh, to finally beat that 0-7 streak that it would have been then, it would have meant a hell of a lot more in the long run and made for a really, really great WrestleMania moment next year. I get where you're coming from there, and I think you're right. I think in terms of, I mean, they, they gave her the tag title when it was just three years too late, Phil. I don't, you know, um, but I, I suppose you can t- technically probably have the best of both worlds here. You know, they did the right thing. I think the right team won. And maybe at next year's WrestleMania, all you really need to do to pivot that is you've never won a singles match at WrestleMania. You know, the only way you ever win a, a match at WrestleMania is because of the help of Naomi or whatever it may be. Uh, but I get where you're coming from with that completely. Uh, right, I'm going to sandbag you now, Michael Hamlet. I do apologize. Let's talk AJ, AJ Styles and this epic... Take the however, to <laughs> take this however way you, uh, however you want, because you know they gave these guys a, a lot of time. There was a this is awesome chant, and I know you've got things you want to say about that. I'm just going to run through what happened. There was a, an, an education for a near fall earlier on. Uh, in terms of checking on how Edge's neck is, he took a top rope suplex onto the apron, so it seems to be fine. Um, there was a Styles Clash for a near fall. And then suddenly Damien Priest, a wild Damien Priest, appears, uh, seemingly setting up a, a new faction that, uh, w- well, what culture itself has speculated on that they were going to set this up for Edge. Damien Priest seemingly aligning himself with Edge. He distracted, well, his arrival distracted AJ Styles. And the finish that I think a lot of us had said from day one needed to happen then occurred a phenomenal forearm being countered by Edge spearing AJ Styles out of thin air. Edge gets the one, two, three and celebrates with his new stable mate, I suppose. But what did you make of all this? Look, we're sitting in the Revolver Brewhouse beer garden and uh, last night we were sat in this very same place when I threw a beanbag into a hole and took a victory lap around the fountain. Took a victory lap around the fountain to celebrate that achievement. I've been watching this the whole time. Nobody else has done that. That is the type of victory lap I want to take. This is not. I said before we recorded that wrestling matches in stadium that are all about good wrestling, capital G, capital W, can die. And I was devastated that it happened to Edge and uh, AJ Styles. I was sat next to Simon Miller, a beacon of positivity and hope for all of us. And we both agreed we both wanted this to bang for the wrestlers as much as for us sat in the seats. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles at that Royal Rumble that time. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Chris Jericho versus Edge. Chris Jericho versus CM Punk. Stadiums and great wrestling need the, the, the slow stuff, the methodical stuff, to have unbelievable smash the dial up to 10 conclusions. Otherwise, this stuff dies. It happens over and over and over again. And they didn't do it. They did not do it. I don't want to be brutal to the guys. I feel like this was over-agented in the extreme in the first place. This felt indulgent and you never know when you're reviewing wrestling whether to put that in the laps of the wrestlers or to put that in the laps of the people that did it where it was in the card was the perfect place for this to thrive Wilborn we were at Ring of Honor on Friday night and the big advertised match was given the middle of the card uh, the Briscoes versus FTR yeah. you're going to get some goddamn wrestling in that match and if it's going to go five minutes over it's time but the people are feeling it that's the spot to do it in the, Cody versus Seth the night before Phil great take like this exists in this spot for a match like this to deliver what people in the stands were wanting to see. People were willing it. So this is awesome chant, right? I did sit there 
old man Hamflit, grumbly face on because we had one near fall kick out and some very, very ge- lovely fans, by the way, but very generous people around us gave it that this is awesome treatment. I'm like, yeah, that one rolled shoulder was pretty cool. This has not been awesome. Like, this was ultimately, like, the Damien Priest thing, people can, like, I, I don't like goth stuff, but, like, people, some people connect with it just like they connect to the edge's entrance or just like, they get, like, that's all subjective stuff, right? But I think what we witnessed, and not for the first time, and that's the biggest disappointment to me, was a pretty profound objective failure. And... The worst thing is, you kind of could have seen this coming. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't have talked about it in the first place. Like, uh, yeah, bit disappointed. Edge and Damien Priest feels like it's got legs. It's not for me, but I feel like it's going to be for a lot of other people. The match, aye, the match kind of stunk. I think that's a fair assessment. You know, I, I, I think, you know, it might be hyperbolic to say it was dreadful, I, I, but I, I can understand where you're coming from. I am excited to see what they do with Edge and Damien Priest as this sort of weird brood-esque stable but it's Darby Allen and Sting with long hair isn't it yeah it's not to the same level it didn't get the same reaction it didn't get the same reception as I think they they maybe thought it would would on paper Uh, incredibly unprofessionally now Phil I'm going to hand over to you because we're going to talk about Sheamus and Ridge Holland versus the New Day and I didn't see a second of this match (laughs) we myself and Michael Hamflet were getting rather peckish peckish we've uh Developed a taste for beef brisket, having been here in uh, in Texas, and uh, I've got to say, AT and T Stadium does some of the best so far. We uh, we uh, not to uh, besmirch any uh, fantastic outlets across Texas, uh, but they the fact that they serve you a beef brisket sandwich is that the right term term by weighing how much beef they put in it is all right by me, and so. We watched um, uh, Seamus and Ridge Bloody Holland and Butch, who was there at ringside with them, make their entrance. And then the New Day make their entrance with a lovely homage to Big E. And once again, we wish Big E well in his recovery. God damn, did this card miss him at points. And then I thought, well, this, will give, you know, this got cut from night one. They'll give this plenty of time, 10, 15 minutes. We'll run to the bar. We'll run to uh, get, some, get a bit of food. We'll miss the early exchanges, but this is a match that we've seen a fair few times. And, you know, they'll do the usual spots, then they'll turn it up to 11, as, as Hamlet alluded to. And, uh, and we'll be back for the finish. That wasn't the case. It finished in what? Three minutes? What did you make of it all, Phil? Sorry about not being able to analyse whatsoever what happened here. Uh, three minutes is very generous for two. this match. I think it was yeah. less than that. I think it was two. I think to put this into perspective, you uh, watched the entrances and then you went to get your brisket and you'd missed this match and the entirety of The Undertaker coming out <laughs> yes. as his Hall of Fame thing. That's how short this match was. Um, it was really nice at the beginning. The New Day came out and they were wearing the Big E gear um, and for a while they were doing like biggie moves in it and that was a really nice touch yeah it was a really really nice touch I don't know if you heard that but Hamlet just said it was the gear he won the uh, WWE title in so a hugely nice touch a nice like homage to biggie in that but then they just go two minutes and you can't do a nice homage like that oh here it is one minute 44 it lasted one minute 44 so probably could have squeezed that in last night eh? yeah so they did a couple of biggie moves and then Butch was just going kind of mental on the outside. 
Uh, and then Butch caused a distraction, and then one of them, I don't even know who it was, it was probably Xavier Woods, let's face it, got hit by a pro kick, um, and then Rich Holland did a slam on him and he pinned him, and that was that. And then Butch was like teasing like he was going to go kick the ass afterwards, and then Seamus and uh, Rich Holland dragged him off, and, and that, that, that was it. That was absolutely it. It was, this sucks. Biggie just went out and he broke his neck for this company. And then they come back with the match that he was supposed to be in, in what we assume was going to be a trios kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, they give it this. I, it, it's nice that they found time for it on the card, but they also found time for a lot of video packages uh, talking about how great last night was uh, that they definitely could have cut. And they also had two hours of a kickoff show that they could have just put this on and given them 10 minutes kind of ridiculous yeah it was it was weird all that I completely agree like you know last night we were like oh they've cut it but you know they want to finish up by like half ten this you know uh, this time so okay well they must have some big plan for it and then yeah it probably interesting included this whole thing maybe you went ten minutes um, and yeah the fact that it's less than two minutes of actual wrestling uh, ridiculous and yeah the, the fact that they lent on oh well Ridge Holland broke Big E's neck, and I'd like to say that's that's WWE's representation of it. There is no uh, anger or hatred towards Ridge Bully Holland. These things happen in wrestling. In fact, they lent on that, and I'm not saying that they should have won, but don't lean on it if the team aren't going to get you know some sort of revenge for that or whatever, however you want to uh, present it. And it, even if that's not the case, because you've got you know the numbers advantage with Butch at ringside, give him ten minutes. It's, it's Kofi and Xavier and, and Sheamus and Ridge and formerly Pete Dunne. Come on, ridiculous. Um, I genuinely, we were, we were stood getting our food and the bell rang and I thought, oh, we'll screw that one up. Someone's accidentally rang the bell and then Sheamus and his gaggle of bastards music's played and we were like, well, that's that then. And then Undertaker came out for another night and waved at everyone, basically. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Anyway, let's talk about the match that turned things around now. Because I think it's fair to say at this point, you know, we look across the card, like we say, we really enjoyed Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. We really enjoyed the, the, the triple threat tag match. And it was nice to see Sasha Banks and Naomi getting the, new, uh, the women's tag team titles. Well, I think it's fair to say we looked at this and we're like, well, this is, uh, there's a chasm between night one and night two. And then Pat McAfee <laughs> came out and saved the day. He faced Austin Theory. Uh, prior to that, we had Vince McMahon coming out to introduce Austin Theory. Pat McAfee came out and what a masterstroke by WWE to spend the money or do whatever they needed to do to get Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes as McAfee's entrance theme because my word did that work not just at the time but as Hamlet himself demonstrated to me as we were leaving the arena just how over that is and how over Pat McAfee is um, in terms of the match we had Pat McAfee attacking Austin Theory ranks ringside and popping on a headset to commentate on his own beatdown of Austin Theory which was excellent um, uh, similar to what we saw when he was in NXT uh, they go up top and McAfee moonsaults to land on his feet from the top row, which just looked absolutely sensational. There was a superplex near fall. He goes for the punt, misses it. And then Austin Derry grabs him and, and, and tries to go for the ATL and then hits him with the most devastating move of all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up one, two, three. But Simon Miller, that's not the half of it. Because after that, Vince McMahon decided he wanted in there. He eventually rips his shirt off. He takes his jacket off. He reveals a, a vest that he's been wearing underneath. They get a match. It's brief. It's what you'd kind of expect from a Vince McMahon match at this at this time of uh, at this time of life for Vince McMahon. Uh, Austin Theory interference means that Vince McMahon wins the match over Pat McAfee via the punts. But in the end, that's not really going to be remembered, is it? Because post match. Stone Cold comes out. Stone Cold Steve Austin for the second night in a row. He comes out. He stunners Austin Theory. Uh, later on, he stunned Pat McAfee. And in between those two, he did one of the worst stunners I've ever seen on Linda McMahon. Oh, sorry, Vince McMahon because of the way that he took it. What a turnaround for the night this was. And do not forget as well that Vince McMahon also reacted to Austin Theory's music because he thought it was Stone Cold's. <laughs> He thought it was Stone Cold. So, bless him, though. What a performer, right? What a consummate professional. He knew what was going to go down. And actually, his instincts were correct. I don't think they should have played Austin Theory's music. I think you get a much bigger pop when the glass just breaks from nowhere. I loved all of this. I've seen a lot of uh, sort of chatter online. Did Pat McAfee really need to lose to Vincent Mann? I say yes, because it makes it more stupid, and it makes it more ridiculous and ludicrous. And the stunner was bad, but Austin was laughing his head off. This was just, again, this is the best thing I've ever seen in wrestling live because it was over the top. I felt like we were back in 1998, 1999, which I'm sure was the idea. I, I mean, we may get Austin on Raw, but then he rides off into the sunset for good. I don't think he'll ever come back. 
I really, really don't, but I loved all of this. And I'm going to go back to our hotel room and I'm going to watch it over and over and over again. And I'm going to smile and I'm going to enjoy Austin's reaction and his facial expressions. I wouldn't change any of this. And I also think it's helped Austin Theory massively. Yeah. There are small moments in time when it comes to wrestling. And he probably sold that stunner as well as, you know, uh, The uh, Rock, uh, Scott Hall, Shane McMahon was always a good one. And I think that goes a long way with wrestling fans. So this could be the turning point for him at just five stars. 6.5 in the Tokyo Dome. It was a hell of a turnaround. Like, I'm going to get all of our thoughts on this because, you know, like I said, we sort of plodded through some of the earlier matches. There were some great moments. But Hamlet, this was the real turning point of night two. Yeah, like, I'm not even sure I would say a turning point so much as I would just say the complete apex and peak. I know you'll disagree with a finger in the air at that. And not even the middle one. Look, night two ultimately was leveraged on two people laying claim to be the WWE champion. Those two people are Stone Cold Steve Austin and Pat McAfee. Um, <laughs> the disparity between those two men and everybody else in this roster was absolutely blinding, but it was just amazing to be in the presence of stars. Pat McAfee was tremendous in this match. The Seven Nation Army thing, as you say, was absolutely inspired. A call and response was created tonight that will stick with Pat McAfee whenever he wrestles, no matter how infrequently that might be. But to be honest, I think we're all starting to feel that it should be more frequently. His instincts appear excellent. He can bump, he can fall, he can do all the stuff that all these sort of two-spot superstars want to come in and learn. But he's clearly got an amazing passion for it and people connect with him. It's just wonderful and infectious and magnetic and all those cool things to see Pat McAfee get to do this. Uh, the surprise pop of the glass smash is better than the planned pop of the glass smash. And we all got to learn that for ourselves tonight in the most pleasing of ways. Last night, the Austin-Kevin uh, Owens match gave me the feeling that, oh, is this as good on television as it is in person? Um, I would like to know from anybody listening to this if this was... You know, I want to know off more people that were watching this on television if they felt what we all did in the building because this truly was magic. This was a WrestleMania moment, capital W, capital M, Michael Cole, TM. But it felt it in the stands too. Everybody going absolutely banana for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I, yeah, I really would like to know how it came across watching at home because really Vince McMahon and Pat McAfee wrestled, like, like wrestled on balance one of the worst matches in WrestleMania history. <laughs> if, you're sat in fr if you're sat in front of your TV screen, I'm finding it hard to believe otherwise, right? But in the building, the smile could not be wiped off my face. I had a headache from the headache Steve Austin gave himself with how wide his smile was when he was laughing at Vincent Mansell. I just feel like if last night was maybe a touch far apart in terms of experiences, this was an entire ATT and stadiums width apart because I just can't imagine that this came across as well on television as it did in the building. But in the building... It felt real. It felt powerful. Uh, it's something that will stick with me for a long time. I actually, I'm going to do what Phil did, and I can do it from across the table where he can't chin me. I'm going to disagree with Simon Miller too. Because Pat, 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 McAfee, Pat McAfee every time has showed me so much. And I want to see that guy getting pinned because I see too many guys that were on this show and on last night's show and are on shows in general getting pinned. And Pat McAfee feels real to me. And I didn't want to see the 70-on-year-old that falls against the ropes taking a stunner get, <laughs> get in the three on him first. Uh, he's special. So Steve Austin, like, put the belt on Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> it's 2022. There was a weird uh, chat I had with, with some of the fans outside AT&T whilst we were filming out there, Phil, that, where it was like, the beauty of this is Stone Cold's first stunner on McMahon was kind of bad. <laughs> and his last one, presumably... It's even worse, and yet it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, the bookend of the two worst stunners in the history of stunners uh, is quite incredible. I mean, 
you talk about WrestleMania moments. This is it. This is it. This is what this is what it is all about. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, I like I I've just spent like the last time I got on this microphone. Uh, I was talking about how badly they laid out the card for the New Day match. I thought they laid out all of this absolutely perfectly. Like throughout the Austin Theory um, Pat McAfee match, that was really good. The build, but then when uh, Vince came out at the end of it, like they gave it enough time for people to go, "Ah, oh, Austin's gonna come out." But then they gave it enough time also to go, oh, enough time passed, like, maybe he's not going to come out. So that when that glass finally did smash, it was like, just the anticipation had built in so much, but then also ebbed um, to the fact that they were like, oh, maybe he's not. And people had come to terms with the fact that maybe he won't before it then finally smashed. Uh, and Vince McMahon selling Austin's music, uh, Austin Theory's music, sorry, hitting, uh, was genuinely incredible. Uh, he jumped at it, he was terrified, but then he finally realized it was absolutely fine. And then when Austin came out, just uh, the pure joy. The joy in the building was at a level that I'd never experienced before. But then as soon as Austin hit that <laughs> which will go down in history as the worst thing ever, uh, the joy in his face just like doubled everyone's joy within the building itself. What was your tweet? Uh, that it was the worst dinner I've ever seen, but the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. It's a fantastic tweet. Uh, at Phil My Chambers, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, let's move along to the main event. It was Roman, Re- Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, the winner-take-all championship unification match. Universal champion versus the WWE champion. And, uh, well, it was it was all killer, no filler, really. Here It was just all the big moves. Um, I'll ask Miller about this in a second because you were you were just telling me there uh, about potentially the fact that Roman Reigns has torn his tricep I believe it is I tell you now because I think it 99% confirmed people have watched it back on the network or Peacock whatever we're calling it and I think during the Kimura you see afterwards you see Roman go to uh, Paul Heyman and he, you see his mouth he goes I put I, uh, my shoulders come out I pop my shoulder now afterwards there's pictures of like it's actually his tricep but I'm sure he just felt he felt a pop, but apparently you can actually see him go. And it's also why Heyman, again, this is all the spe- speculative stuff, but people have clips of them doing whatever. And apparently it's why Paul Heyman held the WWE title because Roman was going to walk with them both over his back, as he does, but he can't. Apparently people saw them. Uh, people saw, I mean, I haven't seen it, so this is secondhand info, but apparently you see him tell Paul and on the, on the ramp where you see him say, you're going to have to take it because I can't put it over my shoulder. But who knows? Well, regardless, we should acknowledge him because he is the, uh, yes, the unified champion, WWE Universal Champion. We'll be intrigued to see uh, what happens next with that on Monday now. Of course, uh, tomorrow, tonight, um, we will be talking about that. We'll be doing what went down, ups and downs, podcasts, all the usual stuff with that. In terms of the match, though, it was like I say, just all the big stuff, basically. Uh, three suplexes from Brock to start us off. There was a spear through the barricade, which is a spot I've literally never seen before. Um, there was a near fall off a spear, two Superman punches, uh, and then as Roman Reigns went for the third, uh, he got taken to Suplex City, bitch, uh, by Brock Lesnar. 
Um, just all the all the, the boxes getting ticked, basically, and I enjoyed it thoroughly, uh, especially bantering that we were sat with some great fans around us that were divided in terms of who they wanted to leave uh, as a unified champion of WWE. Um, Roman Reigns goes for a spear. He gets lifted up immediately to an F5 for a nice near fall, as we've seen often between these two. Um, Roman Reigns spears Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar bumps the referee at the same time as that happens. Brock Lesnar turns around into a low blow from the champ. Uh, there's also a belt shot in there, and yet Brock Lesnar still manages to kick out uh, of all of that. Uh, then we got the uh, spear into the Kimura, as, uh, as Miller referenced there, where presumably something may have gone with uh, Roman Reigns to affect the finish of this match. Uh, and then they, they really, relatively swiftly following that, after Roman Reigns just reached the ropes as a great shot that uh, professional cameraman Phil Chambers really appreciated uh, of, uh, of Roman Reigns desperately getting to the ropes there, which was, was really good. Uh, in the end, though, an F5 got reversed into uh, the final spear for the one, two, three. Roman Reigns is your unified champion. Um, there was, you know, it was one of those weird ones where I think all of us thought, well, Roman Reigns is getting the victory here at Hamflirt. And yet, with the stories of uh, uh, Brock signing for a few more matches, you thought, oh, there's a chance they could just sort of hot potato it and, and, and put it on Brock now for the time being and then switch it back to Roman potentially down the line. But uh, there was no appearance from The Rock at the end. It was just uh, Roman Reigns walking off as unified champion. I wasn't that bothered personally by that. I think it was, you know, wishful thinking, hopeful uh, to really potentially set the storyline for WrestleMania 39, Hamlet. But, yeah, your thoughts on the main event. I need to tell Hamlet something. I, he needs to know this because of what he said a second ago, and it will affect what he says now. So I'm, I'm searching for information about this Roman Reigns thing, and somebody has randomly tweeted, let's not forget that Vince McMahon's list of opponents at WrestleMania now goes against Shane McMahon, lost, Hulk Hogan, lost, Shawn Michaels, lost, Bret Hart, lost, Pat McAfee, won. Have I, um, <laughs> he's, he's just gone over his new biggest star, hasn't he? Surprised he didn't like, pin Austin before getting stunned. Like, I don't want to be the low guy on all the stuff. Like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm going to say it now because I thought this show mostly sucked, right? And I know I'm going to be the miserable bastard out of all of us guys, but like, I don't think this is a very good show and I think this main event summed up more than anything else, right? The, I, I feel bad for what happened to Roman and certainly I think that allows a certain amount of generosity about what we could expect for what he could do post Kimura. But, going in, I don't feel like they approached this with very much ambition. We got the barricade spot before Roman potentially absorbed that injury, and that was about as far as they were willing to allow this to peak. Roman and Brock have done better than this before, um, and I think it was reasonable to expect that they were going to attempt to have the best version of their match tonight. Myself and Miller were both keeping our fingers crossed for, like, sub-10, basically. Like, all the lobbing of the bombs with none of the fat. I think we got that, but I, got, I think we got the least creative version of it. And I don't think that was becoming of the main event that they promised. Um... Jenny, I like. I think this underperformed on the expectations of the two men, with or without the uh, the injury to Roman Reigns. Um, but all of that was down to the fact that just because the result was predictable, the match layout didn't need to be. Um, we didn't get our uh, F five of Paul Heyman. I am saying all this now with the caveat of the Roman Reigns injury, but Paul Heyman still could have got F five. And if anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hell of an audible to call if Roman Reigns is suddenly struggling with something, isn't it? You know, this didn't feel particularly in service of the audience other than those that really love Roman Reigns and of course that is many 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 people of Roman Reigns there was lots of things in the air beyond Adam Wilborn's and that is great but he's also the top heel 
So fan service generally involves looking after the babyface team. There just wasn't a lot of electricity and excitement to this. It's not something that I think is going to be particularly remembered other than the fact that it unified the belts, which I'm sure will probably be undone at some point anyway. So the, the stipulation won't feel like it sticks. I don't know, man. Like It just didn't... I thought they kind of undercooked the whole thing. Um, there's not a single thing that I'm particularly right now need to go and re-watch and we contrast that with everything we've just talked about in terms of Stone Cold Steve Austin already loads of the stuff on night one that we've been doing today while we've been doing other things oh somebody got another shot of that Cody entrance you know somebody got like a little moment that, from Steve Austin's bit I, I, I got none of that from Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar which they promoted as the I mean laughable but the biggest match in Wrestlemania history um, again a bit of a feeling but I think more in keeping thematically with this night as a whole like front-loaded was what you said Miller and I'm not sure they ever quite pulled themselves out from under that like you say there like the match itself like wasn't in service of the audience I don't think it was in service of the story that they told going into this either like they had a moment at the beginning of it where um yeah well they they were doing the the introductions at the very very beginning he had the big match feel obviously because these guys are the best at doing that kind of thing and paul Heyman took the mic when they were about to introduce introduce roman reigns and introduce roman reigns himself and then brock took the mic when he was going to get introduced and introduce himself but that was the only part of this entire match that tied into the grand story that they've told going into this and i think the expectations around this match uh, mostly because of the story that they've told and because of the fact that it's a different thing it's Brock Lesnar as the huge baby face now and Roman Reigns as the huge heel it's something they've not done before um, and the amount of time and effort and sort of skill they've put into the building of this match I think the expectations were really high and it really struggled to meet this I think like before we even left for WrestleMania today you said to me like I don't know if they have that next gear in them yeah to be able to sort of pull off what the expectations of this match are. And, I mean, taking completely out of account the Roman Reigns injury, like the rest of it, it didn't meet, match the expectations. It was just a Brock Lesnar match. It was a, it was a good match, it was, but it was just another sort of Brock Lesnar main event. And I think this warranted and needed something much, much bigger than what it actually was. Right, I want to say, after doing more research, <laughs> I, it, it may just be nerds being nerds. Like, <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> I, I think, I don't, I don't know. Like, he's definitely, yeah, I, he's definitely, he's definitely done something, but I think it could just be you're a wrestler and it hurts sometimes because there's now plenty of information that it was quite clear the Paul Heyman thing was a story, you know, because he was in a Kimura. So I don't know. I mean, the only reason I kind of believed it is his injury looks horrible. But again, I've taken bumps when my arm looks horrible, but it's fine. It just is wrestling. So let's put that to one side and let's act like he's not super duper injured. And even if he was, I agree with most of what everybody said. I think before the Kimura, it was just a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. And it worked better because this version of Brock was better and this version of Roman was better. And so they got the... There was no... Beforehand, nobody was going, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? They're going to take over the show, etc., etc." And that made it more entertaining. But, yeah, you know, if I talk to one of my casual friends, they say, how was WrestleMania? I'm probably going through three, four, five, six matches before I say, oh, and by the way. And you don't really want to do that when it's the... The main event always has to be or aim to be the best match because then you leave going, oh, that's the greatest thing ever, which is why night one was so good. In hindsight, I think maybe you should have put that at the end of night two and then the end of night one should have been Cody. <laughs> I think that would have been, you know, I think you would have sent people happy. But I thought it was fine. I think it depends on what they do now. 
I presume they rematched him at WrestleMania Backlash, and that's the end for Brock. He can go away and say goodbye, goodnight for a time being. Then we move on to Drew, which will be interesting. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it for what it was. But again, there were so many high points over the 48 hours. It was kind of... It ended on a lull. And you don't want things to end on a lull. You want things to peak at the right time. But I certainly didn't think it was bad. No, exactly. I... I, I really enjoyed winding up the people around us <laughs> I put my finger in the air and saying acknowledge him I get where all you guys are coming from uh, I, you know, I, I think you know, the match itself may not have, uh, have lived up to the stupendous hype that they put into this or the biggest what was it the most important biggest match of, of, of title uh, importance with, in WWE better, they should have it yeah something like that basically <laughs> But uh, yeah, I get it. Um, an injury or not, like you say, it was it was it was not a, a main event that will live long in the memory. But I think the right decision was made. I think Roman Reigns leaves as unified champion, uh, and it'd be intriguing to see where they go next. Not only with the title, but with someone like Brock Lesnar, and, and, and yeah, and who Roman Reigns goes on to face next, and what happens uh, in terms of the title picture. Because yeah, they kind of need to have two, two. Everyone else has two titles on on both shows, and, and now. They'll just invent a new one tomorrow night, or tonight probably on Monday Night Raw. But do let us know your thoughts on everything that's happened uh, across WrestleMania weekend, not just night one and night two, uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow all four of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Phil Chambers at... Phil My Chambers. You can follow Simon Miller at... Simon Miller 316. And you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back, of course, talking all about money in the next 24 hours, basically. But this has been our WrestleMania 38 Night 2 Review Overlooking AT&T Stadium, my thanks to Miller, to Phil, to Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.